continuous process of self-improvement is one of the best ways to move yourself or an organization forward in the right direction. We've talked a lot about innovation. We've had Lieutenant Colonel Decker on this podcast talking a lot about innovation, what it is and what it can do for our unit by bringing ideas to life. And in this episode, we're going to talk with someone who had an idea, brainstormed with others, pitched that idea, and are now in the beginning stages of taking to the skies. And I mean that in a figurative and literal way, actually. It is, indeed, an exciting time to be a maniac. Master Sergeant Andy Sinclair, and this is episode 56 of the Maniac Radio Show. We've highlighted the machine shop, their capabilities, watched their innovative project come up from nothing. This time we're going to shift our focus to our very own security forces squadron and the world of drones and virtual reality. So sit tight. This is a good one. I'm Mass Sergeant Mike Arabino with uh, 101st Security Forces Squadron, and I'm the uh, NCOIC of Emerging Technologies S6. So that's a mouthful. So I'm just going to call you Mass Sergeant Arabino. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so uh, how long have you been doing this role? This role specifically, uh, we started the first of this year. So January of 2021, we created the S6 office um we being um lieutenant colonel stroop uh and i there was a need to kind of integrate some outlying programs that we were doing down in security that were all centered on technology so for us it was um we previously had uh, what we call droids which was defender remotely operated integrated defense system and that's the use of blue UAS or drones for situational awareness in force protection activities. So as we as defenders are trying to defend the installation and better protect it, using drones to get that kind of situational awareness, eyes in the sky kind of thing. So we had that as a, as a side program. Um, we just got a counter UAS, the ability to counter threat drones. Um, that was a side uh, program and then uh, some of the other stuff that we were just kind of doing working on in the peripherals we decided to just pull all those together create a new s function out of it and uh, put me in charge of it that's so. lucky you yeah <laughs> well, I think you probably have to be uh, you probably have to be uh, motivated or, or interested in doing it to begin with right I mean it seems like it's probably a lot to take under especially where are we one of the first or are we the first yeah, so we were the first to get droids. We were the first um, security forces enterprise-wide to have an actual blue UAS program. Uh, we we're the technically the third um, UAS, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, security forces squadron in the ANG enterprise um, to have a counter UAS program. Um, and then the other work that we're doing, like uh, we have a VR simulation that we're creating for uh, defenders to be able to interact in a virtual way with the real environment on base. And so we're developing a uh, 
a VR version of the base in which we can put our defenders into and they can react to any number of scenarios. And that allows them to pretty much train uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 a year without having a, a cost of, you know, uh, simunition rounds and things like that or uh, the damage that may be associated with those type of training simulations. Um, and this is immersive. If you've ever done VR, I think you can appreciate how it's, uh, it's, it's cool, it's fun, and you really feel like you're there. You almost get a sense of vertigo at times. Um, and uh, the stress is there when it's, you know, someone's shooting back at you. Yeah. So, uh, and you don't get to die. So that's well, cool. that's always a plus. So you're talking about, like, just, just for reference, like, I know what you're talking about, you're, but you're, you're kind of... Um, you're talking about like like active shooter exercises or maybe just building clearing, right? Yeah. So we we envision it starting out with those major areas, right? And saying, um, yeah, there's a, an active shooter. And in the virtual environment, I can put in a bad guy wherever I want. And the best part, what, what, what separates our uh, concept and idea from some of the other commercial vendors that are out there, uh, you can, you know, you can buy a system that you know, you'll have a defender um act against an active shooter but it's at base x that no one's ever seen because it was created just for this thing it's not building 518 it's not building 510 it's not building 499 and this allows our defenders to one get that lay of the land they get to go through the actual building hey there's an office here there's a bathroom here there's a desk here kind of thing um and affect those things but then there's all kinds of other scenarios that we can do uh, once we build that virtual world outside of just those those kind of threats to personnel, you know, you can do uh, aircraft emergencies, you can do sea burning emergencies, you can do first aid and things like that, you know, because it's all virtual. So it's all right there. And how is, how is it mapped out? Like, how is it mapped out through the drones? No. So we use, um, well, we're currently building it in Unreal Engine, which is the same popular um, engine that's used for a lot of different video games mm -hmm. uh, out there right now. Um, but uh, between that and a few other software systems that we use, uh, we just kind of render the world um, and build it. Mm -hmm. And then we skin it with the actual um, photos and kind of using photogrammetry and things like that to to get the lay of what it actually looks like hmm. and we're kind of at about a 70 percent um uh nature to it so meaning you know if i go in and i take a picture of a room and i import that and skin that in the room uh, whatever's in the picture i can't interact with but then everything else i put and populate in the room i can so if i sat in the middle of this room and took a big panoramic picture and put it in there as my walls you know, you've got some shelves over here and a locker over there. Well, you're not going to be able to open the locker. You know, it's just part of the wall. So, um, but everything you can open else. open it up and grab more right. ammo if you need it. Yeah, I, I need, I need yeah. a new shirt. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's part of the scenario. Um, but yeah, it's it's good. It's it's um, progressing. We're, we're always trying to improve our processes along the way. I think I'm a huge proponent of um, innovation, right? So we've used innovation funds to fund most of our projects, Droids was funded through innovation funds. Um, the VR system was funded through innovation funds. Um, but innovation is nothing more than agreeing to a certain amount of risk of failure, right? So if you, 
if you're willing to invest in something and willing to invest in the idea that it could fail, then you're okay. Now you're innovating because if you fail and continue and you learn from those mistakes, which we've done, we've failed a lot. Um, not all of them are very public right. failures, right? right. Uh, but it's those failures and the pushing through those failures that get you to successes that carry you through. Um, I think we're, we're really good at innovating down in security forces more so than you would typically think a cop shop would be, yeah, you know, right. yeah. uh, we're, you know, we're, we're cavemen with clubs a lot of the time, but, um, well, you guys are a mixed bag. I mean, you guys always have been, so. Yeah, yeah, we're warrior poets, man. That's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so the the droids, um, again, yeah, to, to go back to what you're saying, we were the first one in the enterprise to do that. Very innovative idea. Um, again, I put a lot of this on um, Colonel Stroop's strategic vision for security forces. He definitely came in and took over in a good way and allowed he first he's he's got an uncanny eye for talent um and recognizes people's potential and putting that to the best use so um putting people in certain positions to better those areas is something that um, we've seen a lot of success with um and i'm not just talking about myself uh it, it has allowed uh, a lot of growth, um, especially in the S6 world for us. So, you know, you, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, you got to be invested, right? It's like it doesn't do any good to just grab Joe Airman and be like, hey, guess what? You're in charge of uh, virtual reality development right. and uh, counter UAS and blue <laughs> UAS. And, uh, oh, you don't know what any of that is? You didn't miss that class in high school, did you? Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you'll learn. You got it. There's a continuity book on the shelf. You'll be fine. (laughs) You know, um, now you gotta have a passion for it, I think. And you have to be driven. Um, can't be afraid to fail. It seems like it's, uh, it definitely seems like a, a program that is geared toward, uh, well, because it's a new program and because of the, um, the technology, uh, skills that are acquired with the program, it seems like it might be something that like younger troops that when they come in they might it's going to appeal to them they're going to see it and they, they may want to be a part of it and and uh you know it, it opens up i guess what i'm trying to say is it opens up another door for opportunity for career growth within security forces which is, which is kind of cool oh yeah 100 percent. and you know we talk about trajectories right and paths a lot of the time especially as senior ncos and um you know when you look at security forces standard trajectory right it's just there's not a lot of future. When we talk about the future, a lot of time what we're talking about is making sure we're doing the same job five and 10 years from now. Making sure that the base is safe, the base is secure, everybody's fine. We're not talking about those deviant lines that come off of what future can be, right? Mm-hmm. And what we've been able to do here is actually project what the future of security forces is going to look like and try to get ahead of it and say, okay, well, from a training standpoint, VR is big, right? Mm -hmm. Nurses use it. Doctors use it. Teachers use it. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are welders who learn to weld. Pilots use it, right? So we should be able to do the same thing. So let's get ahead of that and start figuring it out. And then, but also identifying those, those gaps in what currently exists in technology 
and then having the people to be able to say, okay, well, I think we can fill those gaps. We can do a better job locally. Uh, and then, you know, same with drones, right? Recognizing the future of providing situational awareness for force protection activities is utilizing these technologies that everybody loves. I mean, I challenge you to see a commercial on TV nowadays that doesn't. I watched a Verizon commercial the other day and they were showing a drone flying around the top of a tower. Right. They're everywhere. They're prolific. So let's integrate those into our world too. You know, there's something to be said for that. And then countering them. That's, that's also looking into the future and saying there's a threat coming. There's a threat that we, in a third dimension that we've never had to deal with before. Not since, what, World War II? Right. Did we have active air defense? Mm-hmm. Right. And now here we are and we have active air defense at Bangor, Maine. But there are drones that they're like the size of a baseball, you know, that can yeah. fly around. You know, yeah. It's pretty wild. And do some damage. So right? what, how, so, so what does that, what does that program entail? Like, how does that, are you allowed to talk about that? There's some things I can talk, I can't, I can t- can't tell you what it is but i can tell you that it is a surgical attack capability for drones um there is no what we'd say collateral damage meaning you know it's not broadband jamming where if something's operating say on like the 2.4 or 5.8 gigahertz which may sound familiar because that's just wi-fi right right um if something's operating on that frequency and we go to jam it we're also jamming all your Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So um, this is much more surgical. It goes after a specific drone that we've identified, and in certain since, uh, instances, we're able to do a bunch of things to that drone. It could be take control of it. It could be move it out of the way. It could be just get gather information and let it continue on doing its thing. Um, but I think it's a huge technological leap for us in trying to defend that third dimension around our base and again um also appealing to that that whole career growth thing that, that's what that's what mm. i think is kind of cool is yeah. that you know security forces already has a wide array or diversity in and uh within the afsc you've got your typical apprentice or journeyman or, or whatever uh, a patrol or bdoc and then of course you've got cadam guys and you've got your raven guys and that's just here at this base. And of course you go to other bases and you might have counter snipers, you might have canine handlers or whatever else. But the fact that, you know, the one first and that you guys are kind of one of the leading charges on this new program is pretty awesome. And, and so you, you being, you know, the, the, um, senior NCYC or the NCYC of the program is pretty, that's gonna be pretty cool. Right. What's that feel like? Yeah, that's cool. I mean, there's, there's a certain amount of stressors that you have to deal with. Um, but the, I think I think the retention piece and the recruiting piece is definitely there. Um, given a lot of shop tours and uh, get pulled out of my closet office and and dragged in front of groups quite a lot because it is it's cool, right? It's cool. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things that you have to uh, in my position, I would say, is um, understand the difference between cool and uh, necessity. Right. right. If something's cool, that's one thing. If it's a need, it's another. Now, a need can be cool, and I think that's what we have here. Um, but yeah, I think I see I see young guys and gals having a, a huge interest in what we're doing, especially with the drone stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, when they actually get in and they start working with the counter UAS system, 
they realize how cool that really is. I mean, it's very interesting to consider the fact that we have a weapon system sitting in B-Dock, which is a closed room without any windows, and we're asking a defender to mitigate a threat in the airspace surrounding the base. That's yeah, cool. That is cool. You know? mm-hmm. And then VR. I mean, everybody loves VR, man. Right. And if you, can get, if you can get guys to want to train, that's cool. Mm-hmm. To me, mm-hmm. that's cool. If they want to come in on their time off and play a video game, quote unquote, but really they're learning the layout of the buildings, they're understanding shoot, move, and communicate, Mm -hmm. they're using use of force because maybe there's NPCs in there that they can't shoot or shouldn't shoot, right? Right, right. So things like that, you know, that's cool to me because it's, it's, it's not just looking to the future, it's mapping the future, right? So... How do you volunteer to become an NPC? Do you guys have a sign-up sheet for that? Oh, or? you watched Free Guy, didn't you? Can I wear? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I haven't yet, but I know I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, yeah, we totally do. I would love to see you come running out of this building. He's in there, right? I you know, I'll wear my Mickey Mouse hat. Or I'm going to make you yeah. trip over something as you're running. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. That's the joke. Yeah. yeah, it's nonstop. It's on repeat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Free, thing. free Andy. Yeah, here comes yeah. Sinclair. He's coming out of the bill. Oh, yeah. this is when he trips. Yeah. Don't have a good day. Have a great day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so you know when I I relate it to uh, kind of like a beefier, uh, more effective, you know, uh, more realistic. Excuse me, more realistic fats machine. Like, yeah, we've had a lot of those things. We still have one. We have one called the Prism mm-hmm. down there, and it's actually located in the same room that uh, the VR system is set up in. Um, Prism's great. Prism's really cool. It's, it, that Prism is more like what you remember with the FATS machine, mm-hmm. where we would you know, stand in front of a screen and you'd have this scenario kind of talking to you and you would you know, point and shoot this laser gun at the screen. Prism is a little bit better because it actually uses your real weapon. Like you pull your weapon from the armory, you clear it out, you remove some of the components, you put in these other components and you're actually firing again air rounds but it's still it's the feel of your weapon it's real wow. and uh, you can be you don't you're not tied to something mm. so that's good turn off co2 or something or what's it yeah like little cartridges yeah oh, that's cool and then uh, but you're limited yeah because you're limited to the scenario in which you're playing to mm-hmm. you know in vr you can just go wherever and do whatever and and i think the the that will be the next evolution of all this. You'll start seeing these projector type uh, prisms or fats machines or whatever go away and you'll start seeing the immersive headset training going on. And I wouldn't be surprised if more things on base started using them too, you know, outside of um, security forces. I mean, imagine being in a maintenance troop and um, you're taking apart an engine virtually and you have to keep track of all of your parts and components, marks, certain torques and checks, things like that. Now, the one thing you don't get a lot of is that tactile feel, right? right? You don't get, for, for security forces, it's hard for us to get a weapon recoil yeah. or something like that. Um, we do have virtual weapons that you, you hold that are part of the VR environment. So the defender feels weight in their hands and they can get a good uh, cheek weld with the weapon. But are they the same ones you you carry? Is it a they look a little different? They look like stormtrooper guns. Oh, really? Yeah, cool. they're actually super cool. That's cool. But, yeah, uh, that's I wish awesome. we had those. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, no, they're they're good. But imagine, you know, again, you're missing the tactile feel. Sure. So if you're you're a maintenance troop and you're trying to turn a wrench, you're not really turning a wrench. You know, mm-hmm. you're 
you're moving a controller, but you get to practice the the thought processes behind this stuff, you know. Just because you're not physically getting winded running through a building that you're clearing out doesn't mean you're still not learning something right there. Yeah. You know, so um, you know, doctors who do surgeries, you know, it's not that they're necessarily using like haptic gloves right. and can feel and tactily be in there. They're mm. they're walking through the steps. It's a pregame. Yeah. Right. So if we right. think of it like pre gaming, then I think we can get our head around how beneficial it can be. I think you said what you said earlier kind of makes a lot of sense to me. The fact that you, if you can map out, um, if you can map out the, the layout of a building and know that, you know, when you come into 505, you, you take an immediate left, um, that's the Jags office, but you wouldn't know that if you, if you, um, if you just saw a door, if you toss me into, um, you know, Shaw Air Force Base or, or Scott or wherever, and I'm not going to know, it's, it's also not going to do anything for me. Except for maybe maybe hone in on my hand eye coordination, maybe. Um, well, it adds. It's definitely so. One of the things that we're trying to avoid is you know imagine, and you used to be security forces. Imagine I threw you. You were on a TDY to Shaw, and you're a patrol. For whatever reason, you're not with somebody. You don't have an alpha, and there's an active shooter, and you have to respond. Your individual threat level has just risen exponentially. Because you don't know where to go and what to do, mm-hmm. you're lit- you might as well have a blindfold on mm-hmm. and be asked to eliminate the threat, right? Mm-hmm. Well, our folks on our home station shouldn't be that way, right? It shouldn't be that they don't know the layouts of these buildings. But one of the problems that we have is that we're a full time twenty. Well, we're a full time installation, maybe not twenty four seven anymore, but it's hard to close down five eighteen to have defenders run through it and kill people right. in a simulated exercise, right? right? Mm-hmm. But if I can do it virtually anytime I want, right. whatever. Right. Same with maintenance hangar. If mm-hmm. I get to shut down 499, I'm putting e-ticks out. Right. And nobody wants that. Right. You know. So um you know, I think it's good. It's just, you know, it's a it's a another training tool. You know, I think you can't train enough and unfortunately we spend almost too much time doing silly CBTs. Yeah. Um, some of them are really important. Don't get me wrong. But mm. uh, some of them are a little like, okay. Right. How much yeah. of that are you retaining? How much of that are you soaking in? And it's like, well, was it really worth that 15 minutes? No. But if I could spend 15 minutes learning a building layout. Right. And I think that's amazing. I guess I didn't realize that going into this. That's what this program was about. I, for some reason, was thinking it was an upgraded, beefier version of... Um, was it droids? Was that the first yeah. the first one? Yeah. So more of the drone stuff and and not the virtual reality stuff. I didn't realize that. Yeah. No. It's it's grown and it keeps growing. You know, we we try to stay. That's why we went with uh, emerging technologies. That was something I had stolen from another unit um, out of Edwards. Um, I did a little a little time at the big house in uh, in DC and when uh, I had an opportunity to visit a lot of great places and see a lot of really cool things. And uh, they, there was a squadron down there that were calling themselves Emerging Technologies. And I was like, that is the truest name hmm. for what these people are doing. And then when we came here and we started roll, fold, folding these things in, I was like, oh, yeah, we're, we're Emerging Technologies 100%. And That's then cool. now it's even morphed a little bit further with the VR part is uh, we're calling that our skunk works division. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> so we had great patches. They're for sale. Yeah. Go see uh, Sergeant 
for now. That's awesome. Um, what do you, so how, how many people do you have in your shop? Well, that fluctuates daily, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, you know, right now uh, it's myself, uh, Nick Purnell. Uh, Robbie Fry has been a huge asset for us, big help uh, mm-hmm. with some of the, the document writing stuff. Travis Stewart mm-hmm. is, uh, is really great um, and, and been a big supporter of ours. Uh, but Nick, for the most part, he's, uh, he's doing a lot, all. He's doing the majority of the programming uh, with this VR thing, and he's just, just killing it. That's cool. Just killing it. So uh, it's pretty small. Uh, unfortunately, security forces, that's not our primary role. Mm. So uh, the majority of our manpower goes towards defending the base and the assets and then supporting those defenders who are defending the base and the assets. And my shop is like way on the side mm-hmm. where it's like we're getting ready to help the defender support the defense of the installation. Right, <laughs> so, right. Yeah. You know, we're you know, we're 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 a true skunk works. We're a very small side project with innovative technology that is uh trying to make a ba- bigger difference. Um we're not Lockheed Martin, but we're we try to be. Well, you know, I guess, well, you have big aspirations, big dreams, you have big results, right? So yeah. you might be small, it might be um, starting off, starting fresh and new, but it's, you know, I think it is catching the eye of quite a few people around the base and people are talking about it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have called you up to say, hey, do you want to talk about it? Because I don't know anything about it. So I need you to explain it to me. And if I don't know anything about it, then probably 90% of the base doesn't either. Um, well, I encourage yeah. anybody on base to, to come Come check us out. Shoot me an email. Give me a mm. call. Pop in. I don't know, you're not supposed to pop in with COVID anymore, but right. uh, give me a call and, and we'll show you what we're doing. I mean, the stuff we're working on isn't a secret. Mm. I mean, there are certain things we can't talk about as far as the ninja thing, especially in a, in a forum like this. Yeah. But in, um, you know, other forums, you know, one-on-one conversations or whatever, I mean, I'm happy to kind of show them what we're doing because yeah. I think it's important that the base also understand uh, maybe not security procedures per se, because we don't like to demonstrate a lot of what our capabilities are. Uh, but it, it's probably really important for everybody to understand that we are here to protect you. And the reason you have this idea that maybe um, maybe it's so safe here that we don't need as many cops, we don't need all this stuff, it's because we're doing such a good job. Right. Right. And. Mm. Um, we're actively trying to keep this mission going from a defensive posture. Mm -hmm. And that means leaning forward and saying, we're going to go ahead and learn this whole other way of defense, meaning the air defense, um, in order to ensure that our aircraft can continue the mission that they're supposed to be doing. If our aircraft continue their mission, the finance guy's got a job, the personnelist has a job, you know, PA's got a great job, right? You know, so <laughs> shooting cameras, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's so. What are you guys working on right now? What what um, what levels are you building in the virtual reality world? Uh, we've got uh, we're finishing up our building right now because a lot of the demos that we've done have been internal, mm. and it's always everyone wants to see their own office. Yeah, um, and then uh, from there, it's just going to start fanning out to other buildings. I think 518 is next on the list just because it's such a huge building. Um, not sure if we're going to do 510 or not. I hear they're going to tear that one down. So yeah. we might not waste our time. Wouldn't, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what's the process like? I mean, you go like, you know, roughly start to finish. 
Yeah, so uh, the majority of it is done, right, like I said, in Unreal Engine. Um, so uh, Nick will start out uh, with kind of a new world VR format. He'll start drawing, you know, we'll import like a map of the building down as a texture. Uh, and then from there, he'll start raising walls and building floor, floor plans out in that. Once he has it generally to scale, he'll put a couple objects in to make sure the scale is correct. Uh, and then from there, he'll just kind of keep fleshing it out. And then it becomes actually importing certain textures. And those come from asset packs that you can either buy or free through Unreal Engine. Things that we've had to buy, we've had to get creative with, you know, um, mm. squadron bottle drives and things like that to pay for asset packs, you I'm know. Sure, yeah. uh, but, you know, it, it's there. Um, and then there's always uh, that photogrammetry that I was talking about. So uh, it's funny if you go in our building right now, um, virtually, mm. uh, and you walk through, if you go in our physical building right now, as soon as you walk through to go to the lobby, there's a like a defender of the quarter. Uh, thing on the wall and then like a fitness on the left uh, yeah on the left there mm -hmm. uh, like a bunch of pictures of who got the highest fitness scores mm -hmm. well nick went in and, and took pictures of that and then imported it in so when you walk in virtually mm -hmm. it looks the same it's the really? exact same thing right on the wall right there and it's it's jarring that's weird because as you're walking through it's one thing if you know oh, i'm walking through a virtual world it's another thing when you walk in and you see something that looks real right because that really exists right you know and it's it's pretty cool and your so, brain doesn't like it's weird like you do you you look at it and you go okay no i'm, I'm in vr but like there are definitely some times like we have a shoot house you can go through and we even have a zombie mode which is pretty that's awesome pretty awesome yeah um but you, you know you can go through and do these things and after a while you really start to get into it like you definitely detach yourself from reality a little bit and become in that mode and that's when you see guys do the best because they're no longer playing a video game right. they're in it they're taking a knee they're peeking around corners they're physically moving their body in a way that gets them to engage mm -hmm. in the virtual environment because it the system that we have is is more than just like an oculus right where right. You, it's like just hands controllers and a, and a headset this has like sensors in the corner of the room and oh, it wow. can detect your eye movement and and all this so as you're looking around it's looking around as you're moving your head it's registering really? where you are in space uh yeah. yeah it's really cool that's awesome so you know you get guys who finally are like free themselves from how silly they might look outside oh yeah. right and then now they're going prone yeah you know, and now they're taking a knee or they're peeking around corners or, they're, you know, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And that's that's kind of cool to see. But immersing themselves into the matrix fully. That's right. Yeah. You get jacked in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that is crazy. Um, I, I didn't know any of that. I honestly didn't. When do you think the you'll be you guys will be fully operational within the wing? I think what we've got to secure beyond. um Maybe innovation funds is the only way to do this, uh, but we need more of those asset packs. We need um, access to a full library of textures that make up our world to make it realistic. It's, it's very hard because if you put so much time into something and it looks so good and then there's one thing that just throws it off right. and you look at it and you go, that's, mm. that's crap. Mm -hmm. Ugh, I'm mm -hmm. not there anymore. I'm out. Right. You know, mentally kind of checked out. So we're trying to keep the quality high on everything. And that requires money. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we, we had an initial investment from innovation funds that got us where we're at right now. And we're eternally grateful for that. Uh, we fully plan on dipping back into that well to continue it in the future. Um, you know, I think where we're at right now is we have um, a few buildings we're working on. Uh, proof of concept is the way is the name of the game. So you have to keep demonstrating proof of concept, meeting suspense date on completion items and proving that you're moving that ball forward. Right. Mm. And that you're moving it forward in a meaningful way. Mm. We'll present that to leadership whenever they want to see it uh, along the way and see our milestones. Uh, we treat, we keep a good poem, which is just like a status board on, on how we're doing over time. Um, and then uh, the goal would be to have a system. I think probably the end goal is not only to have the base done, um, but to have a system of these like three and four terminals where you could have a squad of defenders moving independently on base uh, through it. And then ultimately, I'm hoping that technology will get us to a point in the future, many years from now, where it's a, a self-contained small system that doesn't have to take up a room with a bunch of, you know, high-end gaming computers in there to operate and to build. Um, you know, we can do something Oculus style where we just, you know, it's right there, boom, just put it on. You could be in any room doing anything and you can do it. You don't have to be kind of tied to a desk. Um, but that's that's where I see it. I think we can get there. It's just a matter of time. Where, you know, you mentioned when you were down at the big house, when you were down working on your tour at the Pentagon, right? Yeah. Um, so what you you mentioned uh, that this is kind of when you're, was this kind of like when you were first exposed to this, the emerging technologies yeah. route or? Like yeah, what? so I, I took that job. Um, I, was, I was the uh, manager of air base air defense down there which was uh, a fancy way of just, again, kind of like here, of slinging a bunch of things at somebody mm-hmm. that didn't fit anywhere else. Yeah, You know, you had the integrated defense branch, you had requirements, you had training, you had MWDs, you had the nuke guys, and then you had this whole, like, defending the airspace thing, and then you had the integration of Blue UAS, and people mm-hmm. were like, that doesn't really fit anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, made, they started a new branch, uh, for us, and uh, I was fortunate to be the first um, manager of that, along with some really great um, officers um, who have gone on to do other things now as well, and, and they're mm. succeeding greatly at their jobs. But, um, you know, it was good to start that. Yeah, it was my first exposure to it. I mean, really here, I got our uh, UAS program up and running, which is what gave me the resume to be able to take that position down there. Um, and then when I was down there, I was able to take the lessons learned, the, some of the failures that we had here from developing the very first one and use it to help keep the rest of the enterprise from making those same mistakes. Um, you know, for a, a pointed example, if, you know, the, the drone that we have is called a FLIR Black Hornet 3, it's a tiny little thing. It's about, you know, the size of a very large dragonfly, mm-hmm. um, our intended purpose originally was to aid us in perimeter checks. Well, the company will tell you all day long that you can do that. And you can do that. You can go fly this around the perimeter all you want. Mm-hmm. Maybe not in Maine, though. Mm-hmm. You know, that might be the, the critical difference. We have some high winds. You never know what the weather's going to be like. Mm-hmm. Freezing temperatures. It can, it can be very hot in the summer. 
So it then we quickly realized like, well, really good stiff breeze, which is like your average breeze around here is not really beneficial to this thing. Mm -hmm. So maybe we made a mistake. So when I went down there, one of the things that we worked on was kind of identifying systems that work with different mission sets and security forces. So if you were at a missile field in Minot, uh, you wouldn't pick a black Hornet to go survey, you know, a nuke silo you know it's not gonna make any sense because there's probably a constant 30 mile an hour wind out there right you know it ain't gonna work for you sub-zero temperature yeah yeah (laughs) so um you know that was that was one of our first big goals was to to kind of identify that stuff and um figure out solutions for the enterprise as far as which systems to have we constantly and and they are still constantly working on the total plan for countering threat drones um I mean, we started them down a good path, but the guys down there now, they've done a really good job of taking it up and, and getting us there, you know, carrying it into the end zone. NGB has been a huge proponent, too, of uh, assisting us with getting our system and getting it up and running. They funded it for us. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, that time down there was was very interesting. It was uh, one of the greatest work experiences of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to go all around the country and see so many different things and learn from so many engineers and scientists mm-hmm. and um, just average people too. You know, it was so great. Um, got to meet great people. Uh, Chief Wright and I shared a helicopter one day. Oh, that's cool. Which was amazing. Got a picture of that. You know. Just just some really awesome times down there. Mm-hmm. But um, the whole VR thing came to me actually from a, one of my coworkers. He was a senior airman. I can't remember what base he came out of. But basically, he, he they have a, I think it's called Spark Tank, Spark Works or something like that, where they treat it like Shark Tank. Mm. And um, it's for the Air Force. And if you've got a really neat idea, you can bring it to them and present it to them and they'll decide whether or not they're going to award you some cyber money or some oh, innovation yeah. fund money or something like that and fund your idea. And um, he had this really great idea as a defender for uh, like a flight management tool. So it included everything to from like, um, it was like a front end uh, user interface, right? Where you could look at somebody's training record you could look at the schedule you could manage the schedule you could write reports you could get on afges which is like where we do our blotters and things now yeah um you know it was really good front end for all that he presented that they loved it um and then they brought him up and said you need to come work on this thing with us so Mm -hmm. not droids he was working on um afges actually at the time uh but when he was up there we were talking about our love of video games and everything and he was telling me like oh you know you can download this program and you can just kind of build whatever you want in that and he's like how cool would it be if you you built your base in this Mm -hmm. and i was like that would be cool wouldn't it and he's like yeah and then he just kind of moved on like the idea man right and walked away and work on his next idea yeah and it's just it burrowed its way into my brain and we started out originally with it as like an actual like you know controller type video game where the very first mock-up of this started out in Source SDK, and you would, uh, you know, you had the main gate, and you'd have a little Xbox controller, and you could walk through, and it was it was pretty cool. Huh. Um, limited, right. flawed, limited, but still cool. Yeah. And then it was like, what if we did it in VR? Yeah, you know, so much better in VR. Right, more buy-in because it's because it's training. 
Oh yeah. VR yeah. training. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of the evolution of the idea. And again, I was fortunate to have people who uh, recognized the value along the way and supported it. So. And in time too, I wonder if they're going to, uh, I wonder if once it gets beefed up, beefed up enough, you know, and becomes more and more realistic as things always do and have um, exponentially just even the last five years. Mm. Um, yeah, look at the new Apple phones, the, the macro photography that those things can do. It's like better than what I can do on my $6,000 Canon. Well, they've got, I mean, that's, so that's one thing is I'm not an Apple guy. You mm-hmm. have to forgive me on that. Yeah. But I've got, um, if you have one, an Apple, uh, it has the, um, infrared sensor on it. Yeah. And so you can do 3d mapping with your phone. There's a free app that you can get on there and you can stand in the middle of your room with your Apple iPhone. And you can scan your room and you render a 3D version of it. Really? And then you can import that in because it's got that IR yeah. sensor on it. So it does the, the depth of field. Mm-hmm. So unlike before when I said uh, at the beginning of this, if I took a 3D panoramic of this room and that filing cabinet, it's going to be part of the wall. It's, it's not going to, it's, it might right. look 3D, but when you walk right. up to it, it's flat, flat. right? Yeah, yeah. Well, if you do this, it becomes three-dimensional. And then yeah. all I have to do is make a door and it works. You know, oh, that's that wild. Yeah. That's but that's cool. on your phone you know what i mean that's your phone so technology is progressively getting crazier and crazier so you know so i wonder um if in time i wonder if because it because it is cheaper and more cost effective and arguably has more potential than say like a simulation uh you know you you talk about disassembling your upper receiver on your weapon and, Mm. and, and and putting on this this um adapter that allows you to use um your your actual service weapon yeah the prism yeah, yeah. the prism and then you know same thing with the sim- with the simulation rounds right you you kind of it's a different upper receiver so I wonder in time if that's got, that stuff's going to kind of go away it's easier to train like instead of going for a one month pre deployment training are you, are you doing a two week pre deployment training and the other two weeks you're doing all your your shoot move and communicate and your fire drills virtually from your home station with 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 the guys in the yeah. you know I I don't see why not right I mean if if anything is a there's nothing that's a better barometer for the way the future is mm-hmm. than movies right hollywood is an excellent at predicting the next thing yeah right? right and you watch like um and i say hollywood in terms of like netflix and all those shows now everybody has their own movies right. that come out but every streaming service but you know there are movies where it's like uh you know, they do just that. They just have everybody training in virtual reality and then they go out and do their actual thing. There was just one with Chris Pratt. I can't remember the name of the movie for the life of me right now, Extinction or something like that. I can't remember what it was. On Amazon, right? But yeah. The, but the aliens. Yeah, yeah. about the yeah. aliens or yeah. whatever. Again, same yeah. thing. They just kind of like train and then they go, yeah. right? Well, right. why, you know, that right. may be the way it goes from here is that, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it'll be my idea or my system that right. gets there, but... uh yeah, it could be could be something along those lines. Um, there are plenty of great software engineers out there who just need to get the right people on it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm I'm perfectly okay with what we're doing here being a proof of concept that gets industry with the financial power to back it to create something that is meaningful for defenders. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Like I I'm not I have I don't have a penny invested in this mm-hmm. because I'm active duty AGR mm-hmm. you know I'm just trying to do the best job for my defenders I can right um, but the the main point here is that you know if we can recognize a need recognize a capability gap in this case training 
right? Uh, that capability gap for training could be uh, the cost of deployment, right? Pre-deployment training, you know, housing alone and feeding and air transportation is significant. Maintaining of schoolhouses and curriculum over time is expensive. You have to have additional resources. You know, you got to have LMTVs and Humvees and, you know, weapons systems and ammo. And, you know, there's to- toilet paper for mm. these schools. You know what I mean? Like there are... 20 million different things that cost money to do that. And if you can just go ahead and have them stay home and do a third of it right. virtually and save that money, mm-hmm. I mean, that's dividends. Right. You know, so. And the biggest one, of the, you know, the biggest component that you forgot to mention is, um, is COVID. So that's shut everything down. Yeah, Schoolhouses down. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. So you got, we have a need there. There are guys overseas that are deployed and all they're doing since day one, when they got there is marking their little advent calendars on when they leave. Right. And they don't know when they're leaving because they don't know if their replacements got COVID and right. gets quarantined and hung up for two more weeks. Right. So, you know, you take those two weeks, you put, put them in quarantine and you just have them virtually training right. and getting stuff done minimizing their exposure to yeah others. we never yeah. you never get to miss a uh, rotator yeah you know kind of thing i mean there are always going to be unforeseen things but like that, that that may be a very real solution for the future well you know it's it is crazy it's crazy what we kind of talked about um here today with with your program and what you guys are doing you know and, and in regards to covid to covid and what it's done in regards to training and in regards to what the future is going to hold um you know with covid19 you look at there's never really been a need more than now for like say IT specialists and mm-hmm. and and when it comes to uh, to uh, to video teleconferencing having these virtual meetings um, and there also with that being said there really hasn't been any more, more of a need than there is now for innovation to come up with new ideas to accommodate the current culture and, and climate of what's going on in today's world um, so. Uh, I would encourage, and I'm sure you would say the same, and we've had Colonel Decker on here before talking mm-hmm. about innovation. Um, what do you have to say to um, the rest of the maniacs if they have ideas? So you're, you're kind of one of the people that taking the charge, taking the reins on, on and actually seeing something, an idea, go from an idea to something that you can actually tangibly touch. Well, in this case, maybe not so much virtually. virtually yeah, touch, virtually yeah. touch, yeah. right? Um, t- to see that idea come to fruition has got to be pretty cool. And now, you know, you and I were talking before I hit record, you don't have much longer until you, you're going to move on to your next chapter. Um, and so now you've kind of set the foundation and who knows what this is going to be like in five or 10 years. Yeah. I mean, what, what would I say? I mean, obviously this is for the wing, right? And, mm-hmm. and what I would say to the younger, my younger self, and I would tell every airman out there is if you've got a good idea, figure it out, mm-hmm. try it, fail. You know, no, you learn a thousand times more through failure than you ever do through constant success. It's people who always ride success until they hit failure. And sometimes you've, we've all seen it. We've all been jealous of those people who just seem like they have just constant success after success. Mm-hmm. And then they hit a failure. And it, to us, that might be a minor failure, a setback because of what we've already been through for failures in our lives, right? Right. Um, but to them, it's catastrophic. Yeah. It's world ending, it's crippling, okay? And we can't understand that. If you've got a good idea and you really think it's a good idea, 
follow it through, figure it out. Don't be afraid to fail. Innovation is made through failures. You know, I can't remember the exact numbers and I'm extremely paraphrasing, but like Thomas Edison had like 10,000 failures at the light bulb before he created the actual one, right? Something like that or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, no, I, no, no, no. Like, uh, the analogy's there, I guess. Yeah, 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 mixing analogies, but you know <laughs> what I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, this guy doesn't know anything. So, uh, anyways, yeah. <laughs> Mark Twain invented the light bulb. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, uh, no, but it's, fail. you know, innovation comes from failures. And, uh, you know, your first idea might be so far from where you end up in a success, Um you don't know until you start down there, you know? So I would say, give it a try, you know, find, find that somebody that, that believes in your idea as much as you do and is willing to support you and, uh, just see it through. What's the process like you have an, so I'm an, I'm Airman Smith and I have an idea. The first thing I would say is put it down on paper. Uh, I'm a whiteboard guy. I'd say put it on whiteboard, put on paper, uh, write it down and then start, um, you know, kind of branching out on what you need to make that work and what your limb facts are, your limiting factors are with it. Um, your limiting factors may be money. It may be a lack of information. You might not know enough of it. You might just have a great idea, shower thoughts, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, where you're just like, oh, man, my job would be so much easier if this existed. Mm-hmm. And then kind of web it out and say, what would I need to be able to do this? And maybe you don't have the information necessary or the skills or the training necessary, but there's somebody else in this base that does, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you can pull from calm. You can pull from, you never know. could be a security forces guy that is doing your coding or whatever. You, we would never have assumed that we would, I think historically we would have always assumed that it's going to be the calm guy Mm -hmm. or it's going to be something like that. Uh, but whatever your idea is, write it down, start figuring out what your limb facts are, start figuring out what your assets are. And, you know, what, what do I have to help see this through? The innovation funds is a huge asset. So nothing, everything costs money. Um, right. And, and the innovation funding can be a great Kickstarter for that, at least to get you to the point of proof of concept, mm. because that should be your next goal after, um, after mapping it out would be a proof of concept is and a proof of concept could be just more than what's written on paper mm-hmm. right if a proof of concept could be data mm-hmm. right say you're a personalist and you think a, a, a program could be better improved in some way well your, your data could be the proof of concept we can improve the number of id cards issued if we did this, mm-hmm. we're currently issuing this many because of this limitation. Mm-hmm. We could issue this many more if we did it this way. Mm-hmm. There's your data. There's your proof of concept. And then it becomes, you know, where do you go from there? Yeah. So. It's pretty wild. Or maybe we can make our own aircraft parts. I mean, that, that whole program is insane. Oh, man. The guys over there that are working on the 3D printing, it's really cool stuff. Um, the additive 3D printing. We have a 3D printer also down at Security Forces. But, uh, oh, it's on the Yeah, it's on the Fritz right now. And it's certainly nothing like what these guys have. What are you but, guys doing? You know, real quick, what are you guys doing with that one? Oh, uh, you know, right now, I think we're we're just trying to figure out what to use it for. We're, we're in that proof of concept phase. It was one that I had. Mm-hmm. I donated it to the unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
it's it's one of those things where well what if we you know let's say duty gear right yeah. uh guys are breaking little pull tabs or they're yeah. you know the 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 little thing that the webbing goes through that you know helps secure it down mm-hmm. you know maybe those are snapping left and right on guys and we can 3d print a new one and we don't have to buy a whole new bag because they don't sell replacement parts right 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 it's government sales they're not they're not, not going to sell you a 30 cent part they're going to sell you a 300 backpack right right, you know? right so you know maybe that's maybe that's what we use it for um i i'm also a huge proponent of uh needing it or having it and not needing it yeah rather than needing it and not having it mm-hmm. so if we're going to innovate we might as well have a 3d printer but what those guys are doing down there with additive uh 3d printing and making aircraft parts and you know, my understanding is right now they're they're at that proof of concept phase, mm-hmm. right? They've got it where they've manufactured 3D parts and then are able to use those same scans. They've demonstrated the part works in plastic mm-hmm. and then they're able to mill it out in metal mm-hmm. and then make the metal part work for the aircraft. That's huge. That's, that's a great concept. Yeah, that's wild. Now, I think what they're trying to do is get to the next evolution of that, which is actually printing using metal yeah. to create parts that are stronger and more durable um, and, and you know, take a fraction of the time of milling something out. But again, just like in your guys' case, um, you know, you, Chris Look, Tech Sergeant Look, and, and uh, Jason Howes, Mass Sergeant Howes, if you don't have the motivation, if you don't have the, the, the drive or the passion to do that or to, 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 to kickstart something like that, you're not, it's not going to go anywhere. No. You can't just go to a school, a tech school for your three level and be like, oh, I, I have all the motivation I need now. You know, no. They're driven. And just like you guys are, it's pretty cool. I think they'll tell you the same thing too, is that what motivation gets you and passion gets you is it gets you through the nose. It gets you through those failures. Yeah. You know, when, when somebody tells you, no, you can't do it, but, you know, you you hang on the butt. You're like, yeah. okay, you're saying I can't do this unless I do something else. What is the other thing I need to do? And you're willing to do that other thing to get where you want to be. You're also willing to accept your failures and oh, well, restart, get the whiteboard out. Let's figure this out. You know, I guarantee those guys... Um, doing the 3d printing down maintenance they uh sergeant look uh, and those guys uh i guarantee they've had some failures along the way and they just dusted themselves off and kept going you know um you know we talk a lot about innovation we talk about resiliency um this is where the rubber meets the road and there there are they are being done in closets, in squadrons, and units that you wouldn't think are innovative people. Right. And we should cherish them. I mean, you're right. I'm not going to be here for much longer. I've got another couple months. I go mm-hmm. on terminal, and then I start the next chapter of my life. Mm-hmm. Somebody else is going to have to be passionate about it and move forward. But if we can lay the good groundwork for them, then it just makes it that much easier. It would be a shame if things were to fizzle and die. Right. You know, um, I think we're making good strives, good headway. Mm-hmm. Um, You'll have to come back as a Title Five at that point. Title, right. Title Five yeah. civilian. Yeah. I'm going to need a, like a GS-13. So. <laughs> just off the top of my head. Yeah, yeah. just I'm throwing it out there. Yeah. If anybody's listening. It's, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Is there anything you want to add? Anything else you wanted to talk about? No, I appreciate this opportunity. It's been great. I think... Um, 
ultimately the last thing I'd like to say is, you know, just reiterating all of the, the stuff that we said is um, we're doing great things. We've got great people working on some very interesting projects. All of it is relevant. Um, you may not see the relevancy right off. If you're an old school defender, um, you might not see the relevancy of VR. Don't let your mind be closed to the ideas just because it's not your interest. Right. You know, um, yeah. we've been very fortunate. We haven't really run into that. But, mm -hmm. you know, as, as other people listening to this might have interesting ideas and don't know how to go about bringing them into fruition, you know, don't let those people who don't understand control you and your idea. You know, find your people who will help you get there. You know, they're out here. They exist. We're a small family out here at the 101st and, um, you know, but we're, we're a pretty diverse bunch. So that's what makes the guard great is that your DSGs, you have talent from everywhere and the cop squadron and the security forces squadron is a good example of that. You know, you've got 60 different DSG cops from 60 different agencies. Let's just say that have 60 different ways on how to handcuff somebody, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean everybody's wrong. And there's one right way. There might be, there is one right way. It's the Air Force way. Exactly. See, there but, you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Like 100%. And, and, you know, to whomever it may concern, find your people, get your idea out there. I hope that this next round of innovation fund requests starting the first of next year after this fiscal um, is just inundated with ideas from minor little ideas, you know, that improve processes, but need financial backing to major, you know, infrastructure changes that, that will benefit us as a base and keep us relevant. Right. I think, you know, one of the wing commanders, big talking points is about relevancy, right. And we need to remain relevant and we're, we're trying, we're desperately trying, but you know, that relevancy really comes through innovating ideas and if you don't if you don't bring your idea forward then it's definitely never going to start so you know well, that's good advice coming from somebody who has an who had an idea and is now something that they're that's their daily job that's your job that's pretty awesome i love my job yeah that's great. the best job in the air force right? i love it so much i'm gonna retire from it that's right i'm up though yeah mic drop <laughs> well i appreciate it and uh and thanks again and um if, like you said, if anybody has any questions or, or, or wants to learn more about the program or, or maybe just about innovation in general, they, they can feel free to reach out to you, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm an email or a phone call away. And when I'm gone, I'm not gone forever. Mm -hmm. So even if, uh, you know, after the fact, you know, feel free to look me up. If there's anything I can do for anybody. Cool. I Always appreciate it. Appreciate it. So who knew the world of video game rendering programs and virtual reality would have a part in today's Air Force? I, d I didn't. But here we are. All from an innovative idea. Be sure to reach out to Master Sergeant Arabino and his team if you have questions or are curious about what they're doing. I actually visited their shop just the other day and got to see firsthand what they're doing. And I gotta say, it's a little weird, but it's really cool. I can see how this will take training to a whole new level. Anyway, I hope you all have a great drill weekend and stay safe out there. Fall is officially here, whether you like it or not. So be sure to stay safe out there, whether you're hunting, you're fishing, leaf peeping, whatever it is you like to do, do it safely. I'm Master Sergeant Andy Sinclair, and this is the Maniac Radio Show. 
take care of each other. So long.